Go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So we have our guest here today, Kenneth Cousins. Matter of fact, brother, what do you like to go by? Do you like to go by Kenneth or do you like to go by Kenny? Uh, I like to go by Kenny. Kenny. So, so like, did you have any other nicknames growing up besides like a shortening of Kenneth? Did your parents call you anything different? <laughs> um, my parents, they mostly called me Kenny. I mean, when I got in trouble me sometimes, they gave me, they gave me the full name, Kenneth. But um, a lot of my friends, they call me K-Cuz, uh, Cuzzo. Um, it's a rock boy, but <laughs> they, 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 there's, there's a story behind that, but no, yeah, they, they, they give me a variety of the games, but Kenny is, uh, is, is perfect. And there's no relation to the NBA brothers, right? <laughs> uh, no, not, not to, not to DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, we've, uh, you've had a running joke about that, uh, <laughs> about him being our actual cousin and how he used to go to Sacramento Kings games back in the day, but no, no, no relation there. <laughs> blessings, blessings. All right, bro. So. Let's talk a little bit about where you're from. So where did you grow up? Uh, where were you born? Tell me a little about, about your early history, your early story. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up um, in North New Jersey in a town called Montclair, New Jersey. Um, it's uh, about 12, 11 miles outside of New York City. Um, it's a suburban town. Um, it's a pretty good area. I mean, it's a pretty diverse town in terms of demographic, um, culture, ethnicity, um, just freedom of, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, doing things that you want to do growing up. And so, um, definitely a privileged place, but definitely nice to, to have been there and, and uh, experience all that. So like living in Jersey or like just the East coast in general, but especially in close proximity to New York city where, I mean, you kind of just talked about it, but, um, was there like, a I guess, I don't know, a large range, I don't know the correct vocabulary word to use, but was there a lot of diversity in terms of cultures, like from people from different countries that went to your school? Uh, school was in back in Montclair? Um, yeah, my bad. High school, yeah. High school, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, so growing up, I, you, you're always here a lot in your in your classes about like how, you know, how diverse it is uh, for a public school in North New Jersey. Um, and so like, um, you know, I grew up in, I guess, you know, kind of that bubble. So to me, I'm thinking like, this is normal. So this is, uh, it's cool because you get a lot of trickling from New York city because, uh, as you know, couples in New York city, they, they're married and they want to have kids. Um, Montclair is a popular, uh, suburb, suburban town where people go to kind of settle down and start a family. So you get a lot of trickle effect and, um, you know, you benefit from a lot of proximity to New York city in terms of, uh, diversity and culture. What's like? What's the distance in terms of a drive between Montclair and New York City? Were you guys able to like go into the city and hang out a lot when you were like older ages when you were able to drive, or was that not really a thing? Yeah, I mean, so there's like growing up in Montclair, there's a lot to to do in terms of like um, just like going from middle school to high school. But yeah, as you get older and you get your license at seventeen, eighteen, um, you know, people would, would would sometimes drive out into New York City. I mean, um, it's like only about a twenty five minute ride. Oh um, wow. Yeah, so on a good day. So, like, I lived pretty close to Route 3, which is where, like, um, MetLife Stadium is. So, like, I hop on Route 3, and on a good day with no traffic, you can get in there in, like, 20 minutes. So, um, if you really wanted to, to, to go out on the weekends or, you know, when you're out with your, your family and your friends on the weekends, like, you go to a Broadway show, you just drive out into the Lincoln Tunnel, or you hop on the decamp bus, takes you about 35, 40 minutes door to door. Um, so, like, yeah, you can get in pretty easily with the train and everything. So, you know. It's, it's, it's nice to have right there. So for me being like a little Midwest boy, I'm, you know, from the, from the cornfields, not for real, I'm closer to the city, but I'm from, <laughs> I'm from Kansas city. So growing up, like at least kids around here, we always have like this big imagination for people who live in or around New York city or in or around Los Angeles or in or around Miami. And thinking that like their, their like teenage life was somehow 40 times better than ours. Cause they were close to the city. Like, what would you, how would you like speak on that? Like to, to anybody feeling that way or that felt that way growing up? Like, was it, was it like crazy? Was it wild? Was it fun? Or was it just a simple, you know, typical high school, suburban town growing up experience? Like, how would you compare growing up uh, there to, I mean, I know you didn't grow up in the Midwest, but to a, to a place that's not close to any big city. Yeah. Um, no, uh, sure. I mean, it's a really good question. Um, I can definitely only speak to my experience, but, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that, uh, growing up outside New York city, growing up in that suburban town, I mean, 
I don't know. It, it was a pretty good experience. I mean, like there was a lot of arts and cultures and events. So in terms of like celebrations and parties and maybe going to concerts and things like that, there was a lot of stuff already happening within Montclair in itself too. So like, uh, of course you're enamored with the big shiny thing next to you, which is New York city. But, um, Montclair in terms of like the arts and culture scene, like I said, there's a lot of trickle down effects. So, um, a lot of those individuals, you know, live in, uh, in town, um, and they want a nice, more like quieter town, but like there's a lot of events and buzz going around in Montclair. It's like, it's like a rich history, I feel like. So, um, I think I benefit from, yeah, growing up next to the city, but Montclair, I feel like, you know, stands out in its own right too. So, um, I, I think, uh, definitely you, it, the city rubs off on itself, but, um, I would be inclined to think that, you know, if I did grow up in the Midwest, you know, you got to make the experience what it is for yourself. You got to make it your own and sure. You can always try and compare and live outside yourself to some kind of expectation or stereotype. But, um, I think it's all about, you know, the people around you, the moments you want to cultivate, um, and the experiences that you cherish. Cause, um, I feel like if you grow up in, in a town, whether it's in the Midwest or the city and it's a pretty nice town with some good individuals, you can do some good things and have some good, uh, some good experiences facts i feel like everyone like regardless of where they grow up always has like good stories that they can revert back to it's like uh i used to i just moved back to kansas city from la and when i was like talking to people out there we always used to talk about like oh what they used to do they'd be like oh and then we used to go to the fox hills mall and then we used to go down to santa monica beach or whatever and i would just be like thinking about mine my journey and i always just thought it was fun i was like yeah man we really used to just kick it at walmart all night long because that was the thing to do <laughs> And it used to be like something that bothered me. But now that I am getting older, I'm like, wow, that was actually a pretty dope experience. It was like there's some crazy stories in Walmart at 2 a.m. at night, you know. So so there's definitely fun things. Like you said, you can make you can make any space your space. So I mean, to that point, to be honest, like you're talking about hanging out in Walmart. Yeah, one of my most like (laughs) fondest and most hilarious moments uh, was in the drive through of McDonald's. Like when you first get your license. (laughs) even wherever you are, like all you want to do is like drive until you can't drive until it's past your like driving curfew. So you'd always hang around like the late night McDonald's. And I remember this one time, my friend, uh, Drew Jenkins, uh, one of my first homies back in the day, um, when I was ordering a meal through the drive through, I had like two McChickens, two Big Macs and some fries while the, uh, McDonald's employee was handing me the meal. He just ran in like a free safety on a football field, intercepted my food and he blocked <laughs> And like this was like during Thanksgiving break, so you were all home with the homies. And everyone was just like home, and like everyone's rah rah rah. But it was just one of the funniest moments to this day. That's like was caught on video, and I can refer to that like, like you know, like it was the back of my hand. Like it happened, happened back in the day, probably like maybe eight, ten years ago. Who knows? Facts, and those are some of like the happiest moments that we can really think about when we're like hanging out, even whatever type of life we're living, wherever we're working, whatever type of success we have when we get older. There's always those things that are gonna like hold deep in our heart like we're just always going to remember that which is and, and it's like you know similar things we have mcdonald we have like certain mcdonald's that stayed open and then there was mcdonald's where we thought the girls would be at after football games and then <laughs> yeah. yeah so i totally feel that i totally feel that speaking of uh arts and then also speaking of like life growing up in montclair what were like some things you were interested in what were your passions like focused on or like what were some things that you did for fun or your hobbies or things that you were super passionate about at a young age yeah um for sure i mean so i had two older brothers so a lot of what you know what they learned or what they were going through um i also kind of benefited from so um they were also you know into, into music in terms of like taking lessons and stuff so um from an early age uh, i started playing the drums um so uh pretty much through elementary school they always had music and um you know aesthetics programs that were in the arts because of the the town what it was, is what it was so i went to like the the performing arts schools, the gifted and talented schools, as, as they're quote unquote called. So like Nisha Wayne was like a gifted and talented school. So that was an elementary school. And so if, you know, I, I learned how to play drums. Um, I played drums pretty much from kindergarten all the way up and through to the end of high school. So I was in a lot of the bands, concert bands, marching bands. Um, in elementary school, third through fifth grade, there was a drum corps called Drums of Thunder. Um, and, you know, you would go around to... Um, to you know playing local events and it was run by a, a teacher who just retired called mr Demico. shout out mr Demico. um you know we there was a lot of camaraderie in terms of the arts and so i, I played drums all throughout uh drum corps and had the opportunity to like play at nets halftime shows and like jackals games minor league baseball games lady liberty games back when the soccer team was called uh, the mls metro stars so like 
I think uh, the arts and music has afforded me a lot of cool opportunities just growing up in Montclair. Um, you know, I was also very much into sports. I always like took to being like one of the faster people on the field. So, um, you know, and, and whether it was playing town league football or growing up and transitioning into track and then eventually to lacrosse, I just like loved the camaraderie there with sports too. So ran a lot of track, um, played lacrosse at Montclair High School and um, got into some things there. But yeah, I mean, it was a definitely a very like very diverse town in terms of what they offered. So it, it was cool that you could jump from sports and then jump to music and into all these little passions that were available back then. And you know what I've always wanted to do? Like if I could rewind and go back to high school and I mean, our school didn't provide it, but if I could rewind and go back to high school, lacrosse has always seemed like the coolest kind of like out there sport to me, at least being from out here. Like mm-hmm. it just is like, I don't know how to, what to compare it to. It's kind of like, when hip hop first came out, everyone was like super into like other types of music. And they were like, what is this? Like, what is, what's going on? This is dope. But at the same time, not wanting to accept it. That's kind of how I look at lacrosse. Like I'd like see it on TV here and there. And I'm like, yo, this is dope. But like, nah, fam. And so I wouldn't like pay attention to it for real. But really lacrosse seems like, I don't understand it at all. But I mean, Uh I guess, I guess the points to, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the point is very obvious and it's to score goals. But like in terms of how everything goes together, Anyways, lacrosse seems super dope, but how would, how would all your experiences like with music and with sports, like, how do you think that influenced, um, you at, you know, up to the person you are today? Like as a, I guess you could say as a man, but as a human being in general, I know that for sports for me was like my source of discipline. Yes. My parents provided that as well, but like, like my coaches really provided me with certain things that I use to this day. I know one coach, just to give you an example, so you get an idea of what I'm trying to ask is like. I have one coach who used to be really a stickler on on time. He'd be like, be at practice at 727. But if you weren't at practice at 727, you know, you'd have to run mad sprints if you were there at 728. But if you got there at 725, you'd also have to run. So he'd make sure you're there literally on time at 727, like very specific. And that like carried into me being at interviews on time, me trying to be at, on time to whatever, a, a networking event or a coffee day okay. or whatever. So how do you think sports and music um, as a young person kind of like carried into your adulthood? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, um, definitely contributed because, I mean, there's a lot of qualities, um, and a lot of virtues that people put values on that you learn from, um, you know, music from sports. Um, I was also, um, in Boy Scouts too. And that was something that also helped, uh, you know, regiment me and also kind of like teach me things. So I think, I think there's a lot of different qualities you can pull out of experiences. I mean, like definitely through, through Boy Scouts, I think, uh, it's being adventurous and, um, overcoming certain fears that you may have in you. Um, <laughs> one dumb story that I remember like growing up, just, being arachnophobic and being scared of spiders and I wouldn't want to be um, in like camping environments. And then just one summer, um, my mom convincing me to get into Boy Scouts. And then that next fall I join in and kind of just like easing your way into things. So I think it's, you know, putting yourself outside your comfort zone. Um, I think with, with music, I think, um, you know, it's being, it's having that repetition, being able to invest time into a skill and then, obviously seeing your, 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 your hard work pay off in terms of, you know, your hands getting faster with drumsticks and you being able to hit certain rudiments faster, like things like paradiddles. And, you know, you're, you're, you're able to, to do certain like, you know, techniques that you wouldn't have done when you were in first, second grade, but now when you're a, a freshman, sophomore in high school, you know, you can excel at those things. I think, you know, there's definitely different moments that you can pull from, um, from my experience growing up that I can, you know, attribute to, a quality or an experience to and be like, that's probably where I learned the building blocks or something. Thanks. That's why I always appreciate and like love when I see any like onset of interest into music or something creative or sports when it comes to like young people. I have like a couple nephews and nieces and it's just really cool to see them like become like my niece is six right now. And I like came home the other day and she like created a whole outfit for her Barbie, like cut it out, Mm -hmm. taped it, like put it together, had a top and a bottom. I was like, yo, this is actually really dope. And it kind of just, you know, it just brings a source of, I guess, inspiration or hope. Like in my eyes, it's like, all right, the future is in good hands. Or like, I know that they're going to be interested in something that's going to take care of them throughout life or, you know, provide some source of foundation. 
Um, yeah. Let's talk about your early influences. Um, it can be around music, it can be around sports, or it can just be in general. But some early influences in life, it can be parents, sport figures. Who are some people that motivated you or that you wanted to, quote unquote, be like when you got older? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, first and foremost, I got to say my mom. Um, my mom and, my, uh, and me were very close. Um, uh, she, I, I lost her at a young age, but I mean, she she taught me so much. I mean, um, I remember growing up just having, generally just having a bad attitude. Um, and honestly, to be honest, there was nothing really to have a bad attitude about, I would say in my opinion, but I, think I definitely had a lot more to be grateful for. Um, but I guess I just happened to, you know, be the youngest of three and having two older brothers. And then I think naturally like the youngest in the family is always like the most spoiled of the family. But, you know, she really, uh, she really taught me a lot about like being respectful to your elders and just showing a sign of respect and being responsible. Um, just, you know, teaching me, you know, how to do the right thing, how to excel at school, put time in when it comes to studying. Um, she was definitely a, a, a tremendous influence in my life and so um first and foremost would say my mother was definitely a role model and someone that you you know qualities that you would aspire to kind of you know you would inherit or they could pass down to you or teach you so um definitely learned a lot through through her um through through those 15 years and so i you know i want to thank her for those but um i mean outside of that i mean i think i always had a strong family system so i mean my older brother um i always just looked at him as just kind of like a beacon, just in terms of, uh, you know, just in terms of the heights that one could reach, whether it came into sports or uh, being an Eagle Scout and Boy Scouts, um, you know, getting full scholarships to school, putting in a work ethic, um, whether it was, you know, academics or extracurriculars and stuff like that. So um, definitely one there. Me and my middle brother, Derek, always look up to, to, to my oldest brother, Andrew. And I mean, even my older brother, Derek, my middle brother, um, he's done some extraordinary things too. So I think it's through osmosis. I've had a lot of like, um, opportunities cause I, I would use them or look at them as, uh, role models in my life. And then, um, honestly, one of my favorite artists of all time, my favorite artist of all time, um, Kanye West. I mean, he's someone that's pretty much the definition of, uh, someone who was always told no, but no matter what, you know, they thought that the, their, their confidence in themselves was, you know, too big to fail or, um, that they could do something no matter what the skeptics or the haters said. So um, I think that's kind of like what you could call a mama mentality. Kobe, Kobe is someone who, who had that ideal. So um, I think, uh, you know, that those are qualities and people that I like to admire through um, their tenacity and their, their willingness to just believe in themselves. I love that. I, I really love that it was mostly family. So, you know, it shows, I think that, I think that family, I mean, of course, not everyone's family life is the same. Some is really challenging and they don't have the best relationships. But I think family, when it's, you know, set up in a decent way, is really our 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 best foundation, our best. I mean, if you're religious, you can say God or if you're not. But I think I think for a family being there and, and learning from and then also being the youngest child, because I am as well. I'm the youngest of nine or eight, whatever you want to say. But um I'm the youngest and I think I've really took a lot from everyone that, you know, before me because I got to see their successes, I got to see their failures and then I could uh, take those things that I learned from watching and and apply it to my life. So, I can feel you on that. And shout out to Kanye West. <laughs> no, respect. no, you're right. Family family first, man. And that those are definitely the, the the cornerstones of a lot of things I was able to build my my own stuff on. Have you ever been to a Yay show? <laughs> Yeah, I've been to like seven or eight of them. Oh, damn. (laughs) It's funny because the most recent guest I had on here, he was a he's a hip hop artist out here in Kansas City. And his like very Uh first show he went to was a uh, Kanye West. It was an Usher show, but Usher had Kanye West come out and Kanye had performed graduation. It was when graduation came out, like he was performing songs off of that album. And he was just talking about that. So anyways, shout out to shout out to Ye. I love Ye, too. (laughs) Um, So, you know. I think that one thing people forget to 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 nowadays forget to like pay attention. How do I want to say this? Don't show as much love to, and I'm one of them. 
um, as well is is school and the the positive things you can get from going to college and going to university. So I, I definitely didn't go to school. I went to school for one semester. I definitely was a hater on it and still I'm not the biggest supporter, but I can I've been able to develop over the past few years, like, you know, understanding some dope shit that you could get out of going to university in terms just a lot of things. So can you talk about where you went to school, your experiences there and maybe a little bit about what you studied? Yes. Um, yeah, so I went to college uh, at Syracuse University, which is in Syracuse, New York, which is a uh, a major town uh, in central New York, um, like four hours north of New York City. Um, and uh, I went there for four years, freshman through senior year, graduated there in May 2014. Um, and I went to Syracuse uh, mainly because I heard uh, that they had the number one communication school uh, in the country. And so uh, I had a passion for writing and like media and like public relations and kind of like uh, all those different uh, topics and subjects. And so um, I had originally applied to College Park, Maryland. I got in, but I guess getting into new house is my, my reach. So when I got in, I was like completely floored. I was so happy to have gone there. It was in my region near home. So it'd be good to see family, easy to get back into from home. And so uh, ultimately I, I majored in public relations um, within their new house school of communications. And uh, I was kind of choosing between television, radio, film, but um, I think ultimately um, I, I, I saw maybe like a, I don't want to say a quicker path to success, but maybe something that was more attainable. Maybe maybe television, radio, film was too too far outside of my comfort zone at that point. But um, uh, I studied public relations uh, mainly because I felt like I was a, a good persuasive writer. Um, you know, I I could I was an extrovert in terms of excelling and talking to people and being out on my feet and um, thinking quickly about how to maybe solve issues or provide a solution and, um, you know, being critical of media and I guess, um, you know, how to, how, how to be persuasive. So I think, uh, I think that's where I excelled at in school and that those are the things that uh, I think, you know, gave me an advantage or um, when it comes to like internships and, uh, you know, things like that. Cause Syracuse uh, benefited a lot from having adjunct professors and people that, you know, were still full-time professionals in terms of their media profession, but then they taught twice or three times a week. So I think you benefited from having um, that network of alumni and also professors that kind of had that duality of, in terms of the lens they saw their profession through. So um, it wasn't all just books, books, and no experience. You kind of get that good balance and and things like that. So uh, I think I learned a lot from that, from that four years experience. And what was the, the, what were like some pros, if you have cons, you can talk about that, but pros and cons of like the social life or the networking aspect of attending university. Yeah. I mean, um, attend university. I mean, um, I guess in the name is that it's, it's a large institution, whether it's public or private, but um, it's a large school that has tens of thousands of kids most, most of the time. And so I think by default, you just benefit from being in a larger ecosystem, um, just where individuals, you know, through trial or error, they, they learn how to be accountable and responsible young adults, um, in the new world. So, um, you know, that's going to class on time, uh, meeting deadlines, not having your parents over your shoulder, um, you know, living most of the time in a dorm. Or sometimes, you know, having an apartment <laughs> off campus, um, having a car, sometimes not having a car, but you just have a lot of access. So I think, you know, it's access and opportunity. Those those two things usually at any university are plentiful. So um, I think uh, just having those two things um, and then by, you know, extension, it branches off to so many different opportunities. I mean, university is just, I think, a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's not for everybody. Um but if you have the opportunity to go and it's in the cards and um, if the end result of having a degree, you know, benefits you and your five, 10 year plan, then do it. Love it. I love it. So you graduate May 2014 and then the fall comes around and you get a job. Where'd you get a job at? What were you doing? And um, can you talk a little bit about what that job entailed? So uh, my bad, go ahead. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, I mean, uh, no, it's cool. I mean, so yeah, I, I applied, um, you know, for jobs pretty much 
the last semester of school already trying to get a head start like most people. Some people will get jobs locked in going into senior year, but um, my profession, um, through my internships, you know, I, I kind of wanted to look at different, many different places because PR, you can do PR for any, any discipline really. So through your internships, I was trying to find a place to land. And so, um, you know, I'd done like a little bit of like fashion, social media uh, marketing. I, I, I did a little bit of like corporate communications. I did a little bit of, um, like experiential businesses in terms of like uh, consumer brands. And so like, I was like, I don't really know what my niche is. So I just kept applying to a lot of different places. Um, and when I graduated, um, the first job that I got, um, I only had for two weeks before I got my first full-time job. I, uh, <laughs> I worked uh, two weeks at watch on deli in Montclair, New Jersey, which is like my favorite deli. Most people's favorite deli from Montclair, uh, AKA the skinny deli. And so I worked there for two weeks learning how to, uh, make the sandwiches that I've been eating for like the past 15 years. <laughs> and I told, I told them, uh, I told the owners at the time, I was like, yeah, uh, I don't know how long I'll have this job, but you know, I'll, I'll be a hard worker. I've been coming here as a, as a, as a patron, as a customer for, for many years. And so, um, I have a good rapport and you know, I, I'm good. I'm good out here on my feet. And so I was there for literally two weeks and not two weeks later, I got the call. Um, I had my first job, um, at KCSA, KCSA, strategic communications, which was a small agency that had been around for about 45 years, I believe. Um, and so I was there for about two and a half years, um, you know, working with a small PR team, a team of usually like five or six. And, um, I was there for two years and I learned a lot just honestly about just being a new employee out of school. Um, you know, I had a, a good support system. Um, in terms of colleagues and people that I could look up to. Um, and I had, uh, you know, I had good managers. And so, um, I learned a lot about like client services and then servicing a client, um, you know, being trying to be detailed oriented in NPR because, you know, writing is, is your tool. Writing is your sword. So, you know, you get one shot with it when you get an intro to somebody. So you're trying to, you know, you always want to be careful of your words and, um, you know, make a good impression. So I learned a lot in those two years and, um, just maybe, you know, around account management and, um, you know, meeting deadlines and things like that. And that, um, that was a good springboard into, you know, what I'm doing now, um, which is, uh, I work at VaynerMedia, um, as a senior account executive in client services. And a lot of the, the building blocks of what I'm doing there, I definitely learned, um, at KCSA my first job. So with, with public relations, is it like, so it's really hard for me to understand what exactly like somebody that works in public relations uh, does. Is it super broad or, or is it pretty dark? Like, for example, from, from, you know, your first job to where you're at now, or like, you know, if, from whatever industry you're working in, whether it's tech or hospitality, or um, I know I saw you say you had a little bit of experience of, in medical marijuana. Like, are, are things are things different in public relations in each space, or is it all the sim- similar type of work? Um, no, yeah, good question. I mean, uh, it's kind of a, a mix of both. I mean, you, the, you, learning the skills, being a practitioner, um, you you implement those skills no matter what um, the niche is, whether it's you know esports, gaming um, you know, uh, education tech or things like that, medical, uh, marijuana. Um, I think you learn the skills, but in terms of knowing how to pitch, how to find a story, um, you know, that doesn't differ. It's all about knowing, just knowing your craft. Um, but I'm just saying, I know a lot of that, that skill set, a lot of what I probably learned at my first job is it was a good transition, um, to my new job. Cause I actually jumped from, uh, just doing public relations now to doing digital media and advertising. And I know it's, it's, it's part of a larger family. It's definitely one, one tactic, one, one uh, leg of the trade. But, um, um, I saw a larger opportunity and, and, and more of a, a long-term opportunity doing social media, seeing how that was coming, coming to a, a rise during, uh, you know, 2013, uh, 2012 going into you know the late decade so i think it you know it was a good decision and good good time for me to kind of broaden my horizons in terms of what you could do for brands and companies from a, a digital perspective awesome i want to dive into that a little bit deeper but in the meantime we're going to take a quick break so ladies and gentlemen if you're listening to this podcast right now i hope you're enjoying it 
Please leave a like, a comment, definitely a review on Apple Podcasts, as that is the only way we can grow. Um, during the short break, go get yourself some gummy worms, some some <laughs> some, some a root beer float or something. I don't know what y'all be drinking. A, a hot, oh my guy, a high chew, mango high chew to be specific. And we'll be back in just a few moments. I got strawberry on me right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I hope you got yourself some high chews, some root beer, some gummy worms, whatever you need. Um, so we were we were talking about you know your career and where you started and how it transitions to where you are you were at right now. Um, speaking of that, um, you started your public relations career in like servicing B two B clients. Can you talk a little bit about what? B2B, it might be simple for people who are like in your industry, but for those who aren't too familiar, can you talk a little bit about what B2B means and the difference between that and direct to consumer or um, B2C? Can you just talk a quick bit about that? Of course. Yeah, no, uh, good, good uh, points of differentiation. I mean, um, so B2B is a business to business. So um, we, we as in KCSA for our clients, we were servicing a business, so for instance, maybe like an education technology platform, their their end consumer it wasn't uh, the student uh, necessarily. It you know it's the it's the institution itself, it's the institutions uh, that are using it. So um, it's software, it's software that maybe like the institution was using, but ultimately they would like implement to do like their email marketing to follow up with uh, how kids or sorry students could um, you know schedule their classes at that software. So business to business. Um, that's that stream. And then, um, uh, you know, G2C is obviously anytime you're dealing with a company where their direct uh, audience is just a consumer, there's no middleman. Um, and then um, you also asked, uh, what was the other question? Uh, B2C, business to consumer, I think is kind of the same thing, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. So um, let's uh, talk a little bit about VaynerMedia. How'd you get that position? For those of you that, for those people who um, aren't familiar with the company, can you talk a little bit about the company and then how you secured that position? Yes. Um, so yeah, Vayner, VaynerMedia is a, a digital media company that's been around for um, what will be 10 years this summer, or 11 years uh, this summer um, by uh, the man of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who was an entrepreneur and digital uh, pioneer. Um, he started the company pretty much with like a team of uh, six people, um, one of them being his brother. Um, and so from there, it's pretty much just grown uh, from a small agency doing like community management and social media content creation uh, to pretty much a behemoth, which is uh, a, a huge has now become a huge, uh, you know, company in the industry with about 800 employees. And so um, they've done that in such a short year and then, you know, they're privately owned. And so it's, it's good to be a, to a new kid on the block, quote unquote, um, and be competing with people that have been in the, the, the business for 50, 60 years, the, you know, the mad men era. So um, I worked there. Um, I got the job pretty much um, through, I, I would say, I don't know, luck and opportunity. Um, I, I uh, was looking for a new job at the time, and I saw uh, that a friend from high school, uh, Tyler Schmidt, um, was actually working at VaynerMedia, um, and I saw him post uh, a video of Gary V um, coming to see the new office at 10 Hudson Yards on the west side of Manhattan, and I was like, oh, I was just at that building earlier today, because that's where uh, one of my clients was uh, for my first job at, at KCSA, and so... Um, I was like, that's just funny luck that this is on my feed now. And so I kind of just hit Tyler up and um, kept hitting him up just to learn about VaynerMedia because um, I had kind of heard Gary's name before on a, on a podcast um, with Charlemagne, Brilliant Idiots, Andrew Scholes. And they uh, they were talking to him and I was like, oh, I heard, I know about this guy. I know about this guy. I think I kind of want to work for this guy. It seems like he's kind of surrounding himself with the good people and then a good audience. And so I just followed an opportunity that Tyler had put on to me. And, you know, three months later, I interviewed um, and I was hired as an ACC, um, which is, was uh, at the time an account community coordinator. I started that job in November of 2016. Um, I remember that vividly because the Cubbies had just won the World Series uh, not but a few weeks before. Um, and so um, 
I had gotten that job. Um, and I was ecstatic because I was like, this is going to be um, a nice wild ride because from what I've seen and heard and through my interview process, uh, I was going to get a lot of awesome um, exposure uh, to, you know, uh, a shop on the street that was just doing um, the hustle, the grind, surrounding itself with good energy, good, good, good clients, good brands and just creating good work. Can you talk a little bit about what you did uh, in that position and then, you know, where you got, I guess you could say promoted. Can you talk about what you do in the position you have now? And then, but yeah, talk a little bit about what you did as an account. what did you say? Account community manager? Yeah. Account community coordinator. Coordinator. Um, Yeah. Talk about the position. Say again. That was a really, it was a really fun position to have. Um, I uh, I pretty much started working uh, as the account community coordinator on the on the Axe brand, uh, the buy spray brand. Um, the the job responsibility was pretty much like a mix of being a community manager, so someone who's in charge of running the social media handles and platforms for a brand. So I was the guy on Twitter, um, or on Instagram, on Facebook, responding to the DMs, commenting, retweeting, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it was cool, you know, to be the voice of a brand for the better part of uh, a year. Um, and so, um, pretty much, you know, I, I took that job with, uh, a lot of excitement because I was like, cool. Like I can think like the ax body spray guy. I can, I can have a little wit, uh, a little bit of spice, a little bit of, uh, humor and what I'm saying and doing. So it kind of was a, a place for me to kind of just let my imagination, imagination run wild, if you could say so. Um, you know, you, you get into some cool interactions when you're on Twitter I remember this was pretty awesome interaction. Uh, I was uh, interacting with somebody who uh, had like shower concerts and he would use his Axe body spray as his mic. <laughs> and we, uh, we went back and forth and like I had, you know, put in song requests and, you know, I was just, we went back and forth and I was like, daring him, would you do this song? And so he would, he would do renditions to certain songs. And I remember uh, sending him uh, <laughs> one of my favorite songs growing up. I sent him a song. Uh, it was Can We Talk, Tevin Campbell. And he was like, oh, no shit. He was like, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Um, he was like, uh, oh, no way. He was like, you're active. You used to be label mates. And so, like, you get in these, like, funny, random interactions with uh, people on Twitter always. It's, it always be Twitter. But um, just, like, you know, moments like that where I could, like, have ownership of a moment and kind of, you know, go back to my boss and be like, yo, this was a highlight from the week. Um, so it was, like, you know, moments like that. Um, and I had that, that position for six months. Um, and then I actually... I got a, I got double promoted to a client services position as they phased that off and that position out. And so pretty much my day job had transitioned from being more of a community manager to being more of like a, an executor and a, um, a strategist around kind of like managing a, a brand campaign from end to end. Um, so like working with a team of creative designers, working with a team of media analysts and, you know, insights and strategy people to put together campaigns holistically for a brand in terms of, um, you know, what you would see from them throughout a calendar year, from, you know, consumer messaging to, you know, putting out new products and, you know, building, building these huge and awesome tentpole campaigns around holidays and things like that. So, um, I had opportunities with Axe and then I went on to Dove Men's Care. Um, and then I worked with a lot of pinnacle food brands. So those are like legacy food brands like Hungry Man, Aunt Jemima, um, I'm sorry, Mrs. Buttersworth, um, uh, Vlasic Pickles. Uh, things like that. And then I eventually worked on Baskin Robbins, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, and some other cool, fun consumer brands. And I currently work on Cyber Hummus, which is my main client right now. Fire. So it's crazy because it's like one thing, one thing people, I, I think, don't think about enough. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but is that life is life is so long. It's like you're so young right now and it's crazy. I mean, I'm younger than you, but you're still so young right now. And it's crazy that you've had so many different experiences. Um, and then you have such a long life to, to to continue living, whether it's in work, whether it's in photography or whether it's just in personal life. So many more experiences to come um, working for like a big company like that and then being surrounded by so many people and working specific like for a big company, servicing other big companies like what what are I'm sure there's like lots of things happening. So what do you do to like kind of I guess tap into you? Like what's your like alone time? What do you do to like like relax to to de-stress to deconnect or, or disconnect from 
you know, work and outside life? What are some things that you do? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of hustle and bustle that goes on, uh, you know, during your day job, during your nine to six or whatever. But um, something that I got into recently, um, almost, yeah, almost four years ago, uh, was photography. Um, I wasn't always into photography. I was always in, you know, people taking cool pictures, not me taking the picture, but um, looking at cool pictures and um, things that go into it. But um, I I would say maybe I was, I was, (laughs) I was nervous, too, too nervous to get into it back then, uh, I guess when I was younger. But uh, I picked up a camera in the summer of 2016. Um, and then a few months later, um, I remember buying a Fuji X100, which was the first camera that I had purchased and ever owned. Um, and that became my baby. Like, I would just, like, kind of walk out the apartment um, and bring that wherever I went, wherever I could. Uh, day and night, it didn't matter, just to kind of um, ground myself in it because – uh, I figured this would be something fun. Even if I wasn't good at it, it'd be cool to have the pictures for posterity down the line. Because, um, you know, you, I grew up in the age where you had a lot of Polaroids. Everyone obviously printed out their, their, their pictures and had them framed everywhere. So, you know, you have photo albums full when you're a kid that you can show your kids. So I was like, cool, let me start now and start my own collection. So um, I started uh, in the fall of 2016. And then, um, you know, eventually it was something that I just felt that I was actually getting good at. Um, people would be like, yo, I, I like this picture that you posted and or this looked good. And I was just like, thank you. Like I was honestly just like humble because I didn't think I had an eye for anything in that, in that field um, ever. I don't know why, but uh, I think eventually, you know, I just got better and better. I had the opportunities to just get exposure to more people being in New York city. Obviously there's a lot of people that are in the photography or modeling or things like that. So, um, an, you know, a group, organization that helped me out a lot also was this this group called souls in focus um you know that, that it was a, it's a group started by three founders uh three african-americans uh one male two females uh they they started this uh not too long ago uh, and it was to educate and inspire um you know the arts and culture in new york city by connecting visual artists photographers models and um being that it was founded by a group of african-americans and you know people um that were just out here trying to create and grow it was a it was a way for me to go out on photo walks with them that they would do monthly and just meet more people. You know, put yourself out there, put your work out there, shoot with people like minded individuals because then you know you do these events and you do these meetups, uh, and then you know outside the meetups you're now becoming friends and making those one to one connections and you know people are now hitting you up to like yo I need uh I need to do shots or get shoots in for this like do you want to go out and and kick it do you want to like go do a photo shoot so. Um, definitely photography has been like a a super, super nice outlet for me the past four years for sure. And I think it's dope kind of like, as I, you know, get to know you a little bit more and kind of connect the dots, you know, you talked about you being a really good or thinking, (laughs) but I agree, um, that you're a, a really good writer and you were into writing, especially persuasive writing and then being in public relations and then and communications and then just companies that are, you know, working with people directly or companies, um, you're a storyteller naturally. And I think that when I came across your, your, your photography page, go ahead and shout that out. Flat top photography. Um, um, when I came across it and I was reading the photos were dope, but when I would read the caption that would go along with it, it kind of felt, I felt more connected to the photo because there was a story or, or, I mean, I guess it could just be that you're a really good writer, but it would just connect to me just because of the the story behind the photo or whatever you shared in the caption. So I think it's really dope for me to like kind of connect the those two dots with you being a natural storyteller and being a really good writer and then now picking up photography and getting really good at that and then telling stories behind the photography is pretty dope to me. So shout out to you for that. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate that. Can you talk about like... um a little bit like, is is there, are you kind of just out shooting random things or is there a specific story you're trying to tell behind, but behind your like photography or is there, it just depends on the moment and depends on the, the experience you're going through where, where that photo was taken. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a mix of both. I'm not really even sure right now, uh, how far that pendulum swings in either direction, but, um, I think uh, when I started it off photography, it was just maybe just about definitely trying to take a good pick because, you know, like, you know, we all live in the, the, the digital area, the area, uh, era, the, oh, the social media era. So, 
you know, everyone wants to just sometimes just take good pics that look aesthetically pleasing, whether they told a story or not. They just look cool. And so maybe that, I think that was something that I definitely probably started off doing. Um, and not, not, not for vanity, but just like, oh, I think this is a good picture. And then I think the more that I got comfortable be, being able to frame a picture uh, from a composition standpoint, um, I think I was able to then use that as a building block or a way to transition into incorporating my writing skills. So I think the more comfortable I got with my photography, the more intent I could have behind it. Um, so I think maybe somewhere more in the 2017 range, um, I, uh, I started storytelling more cause I didn't launch flat top until, um, it hasn't even been, I don't even think it's been a year yet. It'll be a year in, uh, in May, I think if not June, uh, I launched it in, in May or June. So it hasn't even been a full year of flat top. I think I just use my only my personal Instagram as kind of my, uh, my backdrop. So, uh, I think, especially when I had launched flat top, um, which is not even a year old yet. Um, when I launched flat top, that's when I really started getting into storytelling a lot more. Um, and so I think I would, you know, combine my writing, my pictures. And then from there, I'd let my imagination just kind of run free. I like that. I like that. Can you talk a little bit more about flat top? What did, or did you launch it with an, with a, an I, was it kind of all right? For example, I can give you an example. If I if I some I'm not super into photography, but if I was to start shooting photography, I'd probably make an Instagram page just to post it directly on there without any intention of doing any business with it or starting a career or trying to get clients. Is there like a was there a reason besides just sharing your photos um, to starting flat top photography? No, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd always just kind of said to myself, so I was like, I kind of want to create a separate page because um, for our, a decent amount of time, I'd say um, in the past year and a half, if not two years, I started to do more long form storytelling with my pictures because um, just in general, that's where my, my life, I think, at the time was going because I was able to write and think creatively at work. So I think that a lot, a lot of that just kind of bled over into my outside work life. So I was like putting a lot more into um, that creative space of just like telling a story. And then, so eventually I was definitely encouraged a lot. And then, um, you know, I wanted to also on my own start a separate channel for my, for my vision or my photography. So, um, that I was encouraged to, um, to do it. And so, um, I started it, uh, my good friend, uh, Lindsay, she, uh, she encouraged me and came out with, with, uh, the name flat top photography because of my hairstyle. So, uh, that was someone, uh, that was someone that I was just like, oh, okay, cool. That's a, that's a good place to start. So I got the name down uh, and I thought my photography was pretty much going to be about um, just the lens of New York City through my eyes. And so, um, you know, being being someone that could kind of highlight um, moments in a day, moments in a space and time, moments um, in an experience and, and capturing that in one still image. And so... I thought I had a had a kind of flair for for being someone that could, you know, capture that candid moment, um, that fleeting moment that we all, you know, go throughout the day, whether it's happiness, uh, you know, um, being elated, uh, laughter, you know, just just qualities of living that life. And I felt like I had someone that could capture that. So um, I think flat top was a good good channel and opportunity for me to kind of use my skill set of storytelling to capture one of those those moments that we all go through. I love it. And I saw that you started something called uh, catch up with cuz. Are you still doing that? And can you talk a little bit about what that is and you know, what your plans were behind that or continue to be behind that? Yeah, no, that's good. It's good to say that. Definitely continue. So, um, you know, obviously um, I launched that pretty much uh, in January, the end of January, if not February um, as a new kind of, uh, space on my website and on my content um, that I would use as an opportunity to tell other people's stories. Um, so that's pretty much, I guess, the, the second level of me, you know, getting into writing longer form and with these captions and telling stories. I could now dedicate a whole, you know, space on my website to kind of tell more stories. And so um, I launched it uh, recently and did my friend uh, Bernardo Rodriguez. 
uh, I told his story uh, about you know, his community up in Dykeman, and um, and he's an artist, a, a good friend from college, and so um, I wanted to do someone close and someone that I had you know a level of comfortability, kind of you know interviewing and then transcribing that interview to uh, you know a written interview and then using my pictures to kind of fill in the gaps, and so. Uh, my plan was to do it every uh, other month, um, and I had fully planned on doing one uh, for the beginning of March. Um, and then, you know, like a lot of plans that, you know, happened in the <laughs> past few months uh, with uh, with COVID and, and, and the pandemic, uh, a lot of outside activities and being close to other people, that kind of took a pause. Um, that's not to say it still can't be done. Um you know, life throws obstacles at you and then you try and figure out ways to still do them. So I don't want to use it as a, as a crutch or an excuse, but it definitely, uh, it threw a wrench in my plans in terms of how I wanted to execute it. But, um, I definitely still want to get it done. I just have to, you know, do it, do it more, put, do it more thoughtfully. Um, you know, maybe it's doing, uh, what I've seen become a trend on, um, Instagram or just on social is doing a FaceTime or web webcam shoots and, photographers are still doing their their photo shoots through their phone and their facetime so people are getting good creative and do it uh, i think i seem to still execute it and make some time to do that but um it's definitely something i'm definitely going to continue to do um and i'm proud that i was able to launch yo so one thing that i have to talk about real quick when i was scrolling through your page a couple weeks ago i saw a picture of the wheeling dealing fly guy rick flair can you talk about can you talk about that experience did you get a chance to conversate with him can you talk about you know taking the photos from um during that event or whatever was going on can you just tell me the story behind that photo what was going on where were you guys at yeah um so that was that was through work that was through banner media um through my client sabra they they launched their first silver Bowl commercial this year so that was the shoot that was the behind the scenes shoot for that spot um, and so, uh, I was, I had the opportunity to, uh, be a baton, behind the scenes photographer for that shoot. Um, it literally was serendipity. I mean, it, that wasn't planned at all. Uh, it was just like right, t- right time, right, right place. Um, and so, uh, I can't remember if I was day one or day two, but he, you know, he was carved out to do 40 minutes on set. And I mean, the moment that he walked on set in the studio, everyone was, you know, the fanboys came out, but everyone was calm and collected. And um, it was cool because um, he's a showman. WWE wrestlers, they're, they're like the world's greatest showman, you know. Like the Rock is the Rock, Ric Flair is Ric Flair. So um, he came in from line one. He just smoked everybody. Like he came in, he cleared the air. Everyone was ecstatic. People were going nuts behind camera. Um, I never got the chance to personally talk to him one to one. Um, you know, I'm behind the scenes photographer, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all up in there trying to disrupt what's going on, but I'm trying to capture the moment still. And, um, we got a, an awesome opportunity at the end of the set to, to, uh, do one of his, I am a nature boy, Ric Flair, all on three. Woo! <laughs> so, uh, I got a cool video that I'm, you know, going to treasure for the rest of my, <laughs> my life, of course, uh, just, you know, being, you know, behind standing over the shoulder of Ric Flair doing his iconic woo i'm the nature boy rick flair and um just being in that moment so it was cool that's a that's an opportunity through vayner um combined with my photography that was just something that manifested so um that, that was a, an awesome experience i love it i love it um i do want to send some love your way for being able to communicate very well you know uh every every question I've been asking everything you know you've always had an, you've been having amazing answers and being able to uh basically make it easy to understand what you're trying to say so I love it you know appreciate you um so let's talk about New York your foreseeable future would you like to stay in New York your entire life it doesn't have to be any I'm not talking about in the next five or ten years but let's just talk about like life in general how much do you love New York City are you planning on staying there for life raising kids all that or or is that just up in air right now um so i think uh i think life is always can be always up in the air to a certain extent obviously what it's going on now uh things can feel like they're up in the air but um to a certain extent i think uh what's going on now for sure has made me love new york city even more than i already did um which was a whole damn lot because um you know it's it's perfect city man um a lot goes on here let's be thankful for um but you know the city can be a love-hate relationship and right now it's definitely more on the love side for sure so um i could easily stay here 
um, for, for the foreseeable future. But, um, you know, uh, I like to travel too. I like to, to experience new things. And so, um, you know, I think at some point one day, another city, another opportunity will call, whether that's, uh, Chicago, another city I got a lot of love for, whether it's London in the UK, a place that, um, I studied abroad at and then recently revisited, um, in November of 2019. Um, I, I think there's definitely other places for me to see and places that, um, I could potentially leave my mark on, but, um, New York city right now is just, it's so sweet. It's, it's so, it's, it's a vulnerable city. It's forthcoming. It, it, it's just a city that never sleeps. Um, and then even right now with everything that's going on with uh, COVID, I mean, it's a city that is going through it, but it's going through it in a way that only New York city can. For sure. I love it. Kim, last question I'm going to ask is how exactly has, how, I mean, I'm sure lots of things, but how have things shifted in terms of work, in terms of, um, photography in terms of your own personal uh, work endeavors or or just personal endeavors how has uh, COVID-19 kind of interrupted that and how are you how are you like working with the flow how are you transitioning during this time like what is what does work look like for you how are you staying productive how are you you know staying sane <laughs> yeah just talk a, talk a little bit about your experience the past uh, four to five weeks yeah. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I'm thankful that I have a job right now. Um, I am privileged enough to say that I can support myself with the paycheck um, that a lot of Americans, uh, millions of people around the world uh, can't do. So I have a job. Uh, I have my health. Um, and uh, I have supportive friends and family. So I, I'm staying sane, luckily, because I have things that I can turn to, that uh, I have things that can keep me busy, things that uh, put a smile on my face. Um, but ultimately, um, I think it's really just like the little things like, um, shoot, I just like, I bought a bike two or three weeks ago. Uh, my first bike that I've purchased myself, but, um, you know, I always used to ride bikes, uh, when I was a kid in the suburbs, just like out with my two older brothers riding, riding around town. So I think honestly, it's like, yeah, I can't ride the subway. Um, it might be hard to socially distance yourself when you're in New York city and people are on the sidewalk and things like that. But now I got a bike and I can cruise through the city with my roommates and, uh, enjoy that freedom. So it's like the little things, man. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of small things to be thankful for. So I'm finding joy in the smaller moments. Um, which is funny because that's honestly like the, the byline of my, uh, website for laptop photography. It's, um, uh, finding, you know, finding joy in every moment. So, uh, I think, uh, living by that that mantra living by that uh that theme is kind of just kind of really started to permeate itself and especially in a time like this love it all right so leading out of this podcast the last thing i'm gonna question you on even though i just said that is uh <laughs> you got you got two days left to live um you get to write a letter to your great, great grandkids, guiding them, giving them some tips or advice on how to live life um, to, to the best of their abilities or how to be successful, however you want to look at that question. But how to live life, um, you get to write them a little letter. What, is, what are some things you're going to say in there? What was the, the, the dying advice you're going to give to, you know, kind of give your, your, your great grandkids a, a, a path that they can follow? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, man, um, to think about think about legacy in a time like this is interesting. Um, it's a really good question. I mean, uh, I know it's cliche, but something I definitely would um, would say is you know listen to those that have uh, those that have come before you. Um, history is cyclical you're going to learn a lot from your elders, a lot from your ancestors, a lot from history in terms of what's come before you. Um, and that's not to be understated. Um, there's nothing more valuable than knowing, um, the mistakes that people before you have made and how you can better, uh, you know, overcome those mistakes and, you know, watch for those pitfalls. Um, that's definitely one thing I would put in there Two uh, would be to, um, really surround yourself with people that bring you joy, people that support you, people that lift you up, um, no matter what's going on, um, you know, you can always turn to those people. 
if you have those and you had them in your corner. Um, and those, you know, those of us that are blessed to have them in your corner, cherish them. Um, and then, uh, to not always be so serious. I mean, <laughs> I remember growing up, people would be like, why aren't you smiling? Like smile. And I, I don't think it was cause I was upset. I think sometimes I just maybe had a, <laughs> a naturally, uh, disgruntled face sometimes, but I mean, like just enjoy, enjoy life, laugh. You can bring a lot of levity to be, uh, to be introduced in certain situations that sometimes it has no business business being in, but I mean, a well-timed joke is a well-timed joke. And if it can crack a smile on someone's face, um, you know, you know, hopefully not at the expense of someone else's feelings, uh, go for it. You know, life is way too short to uh, be so serious and uptight. I think, uh, you'd be surprised by how far a, a nice smile around you too. So I, I think it'd, it'd honestly be those things. Um, if, and maybe if I had time to say one more thing, go outside, uh, and enjoy nature. Like that's not, that's not just like a COVID thing. Um, I've always liked to be someone who can go outside, uh, as a boy scout and just travel and be in nature. So like experience the best that our planet earth has to offer. Don't be, uh, inside on a screen all day. If that's where technology is going, still enjoy the outdoors. And with, with, with all that being said, everything you shared, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast. I know all the listeners that are going to listen to this podcast are appreciative, appreciative of you. Um, of course, um, we're sending prayers to the city and, um, hoping you stay safe, you, your family, your friends, everybody. I got, I got uh, a brother and a sister, both in Brooklyn. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right there trying to, trying to send some love and and hope to your city. So, um, your family's doing well during this time too, man. I I, I appreciate the opportunity. They're well wishing, man. I appreciate you reaching out. (laughs) Um, this was not something I was even remotely thinking I would do anytime soon. It wasn't even on my radar. So I appreciate you being interested in whatever um, I was able to give your listeners and you, you and this opportunity. So appreciate it, man. Man. Thank you. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, leave a like comment review. Um, and I will list his, uh, social media down below in the description. Check that out. Go follow him on Instagram. And this is the culture talks podcast. Checking out. Salud.